Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. Podcast where we forage for truth <laughs> truffles. My name is Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And what are we talking about this week? This week we are talking about self-awareness. Which came out of nowhere last week in a conversation and I was like, Yes! This is one of the big things. This is one of the problems that everyone, that we seem to have. If people could just be a little more self-aware, then couldn't the world be a better place? I think it wasn't. didn't come out of nowhere. came out oh. of inequality. Okay, came out of the conversation <laughs> last week. It's like, <laughs> it's trying to, we were trying to work out if we were in any position to be talking about racism and feminism and obviously I can talk about feminism I can talk about manonism <laughs> if you start talking about inequality it's privilege did people used to say check your privilege is that a new thing did, no that's new is it new it's pretty new have you got any sort of subject lines in uh, the brain in the brain uh, mindfulness age meditation therapy Therapy. Introspection, I suppose. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do it. I can highly recommend recording a podcast and listening back to it. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that works well, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. How was your week, Michael? Uh, my week, I had no responsibilities to any other people. Just all week in my studio, writing up plans, working on my own stuff. It's been good. Been making some progress. Wow. Um, I had this thought experiment that I've been doing this week, which is, okay, Sharon is pregnant. What do you do? So just to <laughs> see if that would focus my uh, mind. Um, but it didn't really help. So <laughs> it's, uh, well, I don't know. I just, I kind of made my big grid of boards. It didn't make me, it's just my mind always goes straight to, well, I suppose I just take on a well-paid contract and get loads and loads of money. But that's not the whole story, is it? It's, um, it's mental well-being and being happy. It's like, I'm on, I'm on a runway to having to think about that at the moment. So the fact that I'm not having to worry about that right now means I've got a bit more freedom than I will. Oh, I was, um, I've been, because my studio's behind the Hammersmith Apollo, uh, I, I noticed that Flight of the Concords, who I love, were playing uh, th four nights, or three nights, and I, I, um, I was sort of fantasising about bumping into them in the back lot, because we sort of share a back lot with the Apollo, and I was like, oh, what am I going to say? So I put my Stop Funding Hate t-shirt on, because I thought, well, maybe they'll be up for kind of like, maybe I can talk about that to them. And then on Wednesday, I actually did as I was coming home I was coming through the back lot and they all sort of like were coming out them with their little crew and well their friends basically family I think just like if there's maybe like um eight people or so in a little group and I sort of stopped and I was like uh, and I sort of they looked very relaxed um they weren't looking super photogenic <laughs> are you familiar are you aware of flight of concords yes. um also we just finished watching um legion uh, which has Jermaine in it, not to mention the fact that he's been on a Rick and Morty as well. But yeah, I sort of stopped and uh, but I just my whole picture idea sort of evaporated because I was like, I don't think they're really want they're not really dressed for photography. And then I just didn't know. I just didn't want to like 
interrupt their conversations. So I sort of like made some awkward eye contact with Jermaine and sort of like, um, and then in the end just went, oh, fine, I'll just go and sort of just <laughs> stayed on my bike and just scooted off going, sigh. Well, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't very successful, but I don't know what I thought I would get out of it, but I don't know, a bit of a fail. It's nice that I'm backstage and they're in a state where they're not kind of expecting to be approached by fans. And I just was like, do I just go, Kai, do you mind if I just be a bit of a fan for a second? I don't think there's a cool way of dealing with these things. At the end of the day, we are... It's weird celebrity-type people, people who are famous or people we know through what they do, but they don't actually know us. Because, you know, if you're listening to somebody a lot, you feel like they're friends. You think you know them, but you don't really, and it's very weird and awkward. I think. It's, it's, yeah, it's probably weird for them. Do you know, that's that's the moment when I was working in Tottenham Court Road kind of area and we were sort of in a sort of back street a little bit. I came, stepped out of the office and, and just sort of looked up and standing just sort of like on his phone, I was like, who's that? And he sort of looked up and he sort of nodded like, hi, yeah. And it was Hugh Laurie. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? Who <laughs> I have just... He's another, like, stupendous man-crush man. That I'm just like, I've watched loads of House just because I love watching him. Um, and just uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie still holds up, still amazing. But yeah, um, but yeah I just saw him. I was like, and he, but he was just like, yes, that's this me. Is me. Hi, you're right, mate. <laughs> that was very nice. <laughs> he, he sort of, I think he saw me kind of going, what's what's happening and then Len was like yep yeah, yep yeah, it's me um whereas with Jermaine he just sort of looked a bit more like he's got those thick glasses so it's like it's hard to tell sometimes but like he just sort of like he could see that I was kind of hovering I think but then I didn't get a you know I didn't get yeah. a sort of like come on come on say hi kind of vibe so I just was like fine but I don't mm. know if you would get it from him with those glasses on so I am um, the closest I've got recently was I, I was pushing the pushchair down my streets a little while ago and Vic and Bob were walking down the road. No way. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, hang on a minute, because you get that, I recognise these people, but who are they? You know, like, yeah, yeah, is that, yeah, am I supposed to, oh, am I supposed to say hello? Because oh, uh, uh, you get, and then I went, I just went, oh, hello, famous people. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, because, you know, and then I got, oh, I could have said this, and I could have said that, and I could have done this, and I could have done that, but actually, I was like, oh, and they went, morning. That's so funny, I had a funny one with Roz, actually, like, when we were in, I went to the pub with Roz, uh, like, a while back, and um, she introduced me to her friend, and she, I was like, do I, have we met? And, and then Roz was like, uh, no, you've seen her on the telly. She was on Peep Show. And I was like, oh, yeah, you were on that episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, not really famous enough that, like, you just sort of feel like you're wrecked. I was yeah. just, Rose just, like, stepped straight in and went, yeah, yeah, that's I the, yeah. I know what's happening here. I've got one more story <laughs> like this. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. The, the, uh, on the topic. So I was in uh, Waitrose Car Park in Brighton and I saw somebody filling up their car and I was like, is that my mate Hazel's sister? Is that Chalice? Is it Chalice? Is it? Oh, no, it's Zoe Ball. <laughs> but, by, <laughs> but by this stage, I'd been staring at the poor woman because I was doing uh, that thing like making eye contact in a way of, uh, I recognise you. Are you going to say hello to me or should I say hello? You know, like, do I know you? How do I know you? Because you don't want to be... Oh, well, I don't like... You know, I don't want to ignore people. Go, oh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because oh, you don't... Out of context, I don't recognise people I know, let alone... Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not expecting to see someone in a certain place, I'm probably not. I'm so face blind. 
I'm just I'm just terrible at recognising people. A um, couple more, uh, I guess, from listening to the podcast. I was thinking about, in terms of, like, socialism and, you know, kind of fairness and stuff, do you, what do you think about, should reward you get in life be proportional to the amount of effort you put in or the results? <laughs> Maybe that's... Why don't you start with the really small question? Start with a little work, idea. Work your way it's, up. it's just a thought. I've just been thinking. Like, I mean, I suppose it, it comes down to how sort of risk averse you are. If you're prepared to take a big risk for a big reward then maybe the effort isn't it's a different sort of effort but then you know if people just slave away should should there be an impl- should there be a reward for that either way or it, uh, i don't know in terms of fairness it's it's hard to judge that i don't know what the latest thinking in schools is i suppose teachers have uh, opinions on this <laughs> um, I'm, right. I'm listening, listening to your monologue <laughs> like, right okay now i don't know i think inequality and privilege and these kind of things have this underlying thing of stemming from things that are beyond your control now that's such a shitty statement (laughs) really because so if somebody's got a problem with drugs and alcohol that prevents them from functioning in normal day-to-day life or accepted day-to-day life using this word fault or blame or effort or these are all like you know, what, what I can do given my circumstances and what you can do given your circumstances, fault is a terrible word. Yeah, like something's broken, but something can only be broken in relation to an agreed standard or an agreed level of normal. I mean, I think about this a lot in terms of mental illness. It's like, it's, you know, if everybody was looking at things in the same way as the mentally ill person looked at things, then they wouldn't be mentally ill yeah. it's like it's, it's, it's about kind of kind of adherence yeah. to a norm yeah. which is not you know not always something that you necessarily want to aspire to and to say that the person that doesn't you know reach those standards or doesn't adhere to the norms is at fault somehow is yes is, is... Yeah, yeah or like you know people who don't deserve help deserve you know like how can you not deserve to live or not deserve to thrive or flourish or these it's kind mm-hmm. of a bit it's a very odd uh, statement which i think often comes up when you're talking to people who 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 identify as conservative yeah. <laughs> and they're like well you know welfare yes fine for those people who deserve it what mm. you know because i watched this bbc there's two two things that make me think of this one is that video about young people and poverty and then the other thing is bbc3 do this thing following women on the streets um, uh, rough sleep women who sleep rough and most of them are quite young and i just rem- i only watched one episode because frankly it just made me cry there's this girl who was you know very young 20 21 she was a mess and she was on to taking drugs. And there was this older homeless woman trying to help her and all this. And it's like, but her story was awful. You know, one parent had died, then she'd been taken in, but she'd been in care for a very long time. Like nobody had really loved her or cared for her. And mm. so, I mean, one of the things I was talking to my, about with my sister this week was that she was saying that a lot of the reason young girls in care get pregnant and have babies is not to get a cancel house it's because they want something to love them mm. and it's really really sad 
And, you know, to say that those people don't deserve help or they're somehow at fault for not making better life decisions, it's like, I think there is a there is a point in your life as you progress where you do have to take some responsibility for the choices you make, for sure. But again, it's like that statement achievement in context. It's like, you know, given the context of your privilege, <laughs> your you know, then you, you have to take different kinds of responsibility. I find it a bit difficult. Maybe I'm just a, one of them snowflakes, what they keep calling me on <laughs> Twitter. Anything else happened to you last week? <laughs> no, I just, I, no, I just, I just, my last note is like that. Well, I've got... Mm, I have a couple more things. Um, things that we've watched that are amazing. Glow, watch it if you haven't. So good. Um, and uh, we watched The Death of Stalin last night, which is Armando Iannucci's film about like the sort of Russia, but everyone's like English or American. So it's like Stalin's like this geezer. <laughs> and it's just brilliant. <laughs> and. Um, uh, I heard an interview with Amber Tamblin and she's got a book where she was talking about normalization she was calling it like well she was sort of saying desens- we're sort of desensitized to insanity now and she's kind of working to try and resensitize people to things I think that could be another way of putting our mission Yeah um, I'm going to resensitize people to nonsense um and then finally just you know when people sort of protest I think if something's not someone's just finally, in terms of fault, going back to that thing, like if something's not someone's fault and it's no one's fault, then we can all just spread the load of that problem. Yeah. Like that's the only the only there's no one that's specifically responsible for it. So then we should all just try and spread it over as wide a number of people as possible. Yeah, but that's the thing that we agree on. That's yeah. probably the base value of why we're friends. You know, the, you know, generally in the core of it is that, you know, that's that's who we are. Whereas this argument that you get, well, it's not my fault that you've done that, so therefore, why should I take my share of the blame? That's the or you know, share of the burden to get it yeah. to make it better. And I think I don't know how you bridge or change that and. Is that nature or nurture or progress or, you know, this is what you talk about, that sort of mathematically proven cooperation is better than selfishness, basically, for long-term gain. Yeah. Yet, you know, all these people who are selfish seem to be incredibly rich. Hmm. Yeah. But then, well, but then I, I suppose know. that I don't defi- know about that. I don't know about that. I think you see a lot of selfish people aren't doing very well. As well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I saw the crudest analogy for that yesterday on this show on uh, Prime uh, called Cloak and Dagger. And this girl can like, she can see someone's hopes when she touches them. And so she sort of tracks down the kind of evil head of this corporation and like touches him to see his hopes. And it's like represented as he's like wading in some water and the bodies of his employees are floating up and he's taking the money from them and putting them in his own big thing and it went on for ages and it was the most he just hopes that he can kill everyone and take all their money so like just oh my god (laughs) (laughs) how was your week Ivanka how was my week my week's been good I went to London town on Tuesday which I enjoyed 
and I met with a friend of mine for a very speedy drink on Tuesday evening and we discussed the Brexit, uh, which did leave me quite down. What was the what was the content of that discussion that left you? Let's get but, let's all get down. <laughs> spread that burden. We were talking about the fact that I'd been on the protest march. And he, and he said, yeah, we thought about going. And then we saw that Tony Robinson video and it was all still ranty and project fear. And where are the charismatic politicians drawing people out? Where is the, bearing in mind the person I was meeting is a banker who is also, also believes that we should remain in Europe. The way he expressed project fear, because I was like, oh, it's interesting. A lot more businesses coming out and being upfront about the fact that they're moving, that jobs are going to be lost. He said, yeah, that's all project fear. And the opposite of fear is bravery and courage and conviction. And, mm. you know, so therefore, if you're not being project fear, then you are being a brave British lion. Uh, and and I you know once once it sort of filtered into my brain in that format I was like yeah I don't know what the counter to that is and then we were talking about the fact that I don't really understand the drivers because having grown up in this sort of corrupt post-communist place I'm sort of of the view that most governments are corrupt and manipulating us it's just that the degree to which they do it and uh, whether or not they keep us happy in the meantime. And I, I've been struggling with the Brexit thing to work out what the driver is. And it's like, is it just to simply take an opportunity for industry to get rid of workers' rights, for example, or mm. all these kinds of like, what what is it? And um, and he suggested that it was that there was a sort of libertarian undercurrent to the lot of it, and it was more sort of that each to themselves type thing or each to their own. And so what if the country's destroyed for the next 10 or 20 years? The history books will look favourably upon this bold move that we've made. So I had this whole 24-hour period of going, oh, dear. Because <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I genuinely don't, I don't particularly think that my life's going to be very adversely affected. I think there will be work. There's going to be lots of software to be made that to replace all the EU systems that we are currently using. Like, you know, there's quite a few jobs out there in the public sector at the moment going, oh, look, we used to use this EU database. Now we need a new one by March 2019. Come and join <laughs> our project. Loads of work. You know, I do have still EU citizenship by other means, blah, blah, blah. But I, it just makes me incredibly sad. And sad is the right word. And then, and then it got me. So I've had this bit of a couple of days... I think I've come out the other side now, but it's like, you know, on one of the episodes, I talked about the fact that I want a boring life. I don't want this much interesting <laughs> times. But, you know, the reality of what happened when Yugoslavia collapsed, even though I was not in physically present in the war, you know, when I was 16, the first person that I heard of that had been killed was a really good friend of mine from school. And, you know, he was a 16, 17-year-old lad sitting in his flats and it got bombed and he died. And I stopped sort of writing to and phoning my friends because I couldn't. I didn't want to. And, you know, I'm not saying that Britain's going to go to war, but this seems like an awful lot of unpleasantness for an awful lot of people without any particular gain. 
which will be sad. And I have, I have, I'm sure that it will be an opportunity and we'll come out the other side and things will be better or different, but it's not going to be nice. And I don't think people understand how unnice that sort of change can be. Can't we just go back to progress, please? Why do we need to take a step back? Even if you look at like French Revolution, Russian Revolution, bloody American Civil War, all that shit. (laughs) These are all Mm. wars. First and Second World War, not sure how useful they were at all to anybody, but these kind of like, these sort of like things that are called revolutions or civil wars or where there's a change of the status quo, there's a change of regime, they're often prompted by by hunger you know the peasants in Russia were hungry and that's where the revolution came from the French peasants were hungry and that's why they went and cut the heads off the of the bourgeoisie you know they but are we that hungry number one maybe my privilege is that I don't understand how screwed life is for how many people but in most cases these sort of peasant revolutions if this is what this is it feels to me false it feels like it feels manipulated because however you look back on things like the Russian revolution and a lot of badness came out of that and Stalin did the undeniably kill millions of people and there was lots of not good for sure And there was also good. We in the rest of the world got an eight-hour working day because none of the other capitalist states wanted to have their workers revolt. We won off the back of their revolution. You know, like things got better for more people off the off the back of these historic moments. And I I still can't see what good's going to come out of it. And uh, and uh, so I need I need some. Anyway. Maybe the good won't be for us. Maybe the good will be for Europe. And uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. And you know, I, you know, maybe that'll be just great now. Self-awareness. What? Where did this? This idea. What, what, what did this stem from? You've got to know your biases, I think. Being self-aware, not, not just in the sort of... So there's the sort of Buddhist sense of the words you say can really hurt people or they have an effect on people, so be, be careful about the words you use. Yeah. There's self-awareness in physical presence. You know, those people that walk along the street and you think, have I got my invisibility cloak on today or something? Did you seriously not see me <laughs> that you just walked into me? Just being self-absorbed is kind of the opposite, weirdly, of self-awareness because mm. um, you kind of have to put time aside to be self-absorbed in order to become aware of who you are. I do think you need to do things like meditate. There's a lot of promoting of the idea that you should isolate and introspect, which sometimes I wonder about because like, you should do it every so often. But I don't know, how do you feel about like a, a week-long retreat? Silent retreat. Yeah, like, is that yeah. madness? It's like, I mean, how much really is in you? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it's madness. I'm sure there's plenty of thoughts. Because I, I, I'm very aware of the fact that I need time by myself every so often. 
daily if it's a short walk. That's one of the reasons I like walking places because I'm on my own, but not really, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But if I'm left too long to the thoughts in my head without somebody to help me question them, I can get quite low quite yeah. quickly. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. That's sort of like, you know, if I hadn't talked to a few people about my Brexit depression, <laughs> you know, I would have stayed in it for a lot longer, I think. But, you know, a week-long retreat, it's not that I'm afraid of a week-long retreat. I just, like, we are sociable animals. I don't think we, mm. I don't know what it's like. I've never been. Have you been on one? No, 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 I haven't. But I just, I, I was just as, as an example of how far can solo introspection really get you? You need, you need as well friends to say to you, you're being flaky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if you're lucky enough, you know, to have such a good friend, <laughs> we'll uh, tell you like it is. No, um, well, there's, there's levels to this. Like on, on the most basic level, just writing, you know, your thoughts are a tangle um, and it always seems like there's a lot more going on until you just even just writing it all out. It's like, oh, there's actually only three things. I thought there was a thousand things. The next level is sort of saying it out loud to someone that's not going to say something back to you. But then what we really like <laughs> is saying it out loud to someone that will then give you actionable advice that you wouldn't have thought of yourself. And that's, that's well, that's what I, I like anyway. Yeah. You are scared of rejection. Oh, yeah, so I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem with the trying to become self-aware on your own the other bit of it is that we change you know f like our fundamental values i believe remain the same and i think there's there's research around this that as as uh, people get older they don't flip from being you know uh, liberal to conservative if they tend to become more conservative or more liberal as they get older they sort of go to their own extreme apparently because people go oh, more old people are conservative da, da, da. it's not i don't think that's true um i think i think one of the reasons some of our older generation why well, I mean, we might think they are less liberal is some of them their 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 language hasn't evolved enough they're like they say shit and you're like eh, did you mean that oh no no i didn't actually but um but we change and I, that's why i said age in the beginning it's like mm. there's something about well, growing up. Growing up, yeah. Because I've always thought one important factor of growing up, something that tells you whether you're being childish or not, is if you understand your impact on other people. And I don't know if I've ever been great at understanding how I affect other people, but I think definitely a child is not conscious of, you know, a raft of effects that they're having on people around them and, and the sort of the, the accommodations people are making. And then you, you discover this in relation to, well, Philip K. Dick um, talks about mental health, like talks about schizophrenia in terms of growing up and says, like, the basically this uh, schizophrenia is kind of just you never manage to get out of your childish mindset and you're just carrying that through into you're just you've stayed a child uh, because you just aren't able to kind of you're not there still you don't understand how you're affecting other people you don't understand you know a lot of those things different people develop in different ways but i certainly think that you know being a, an adult means understanding your impact on other people and not you know and also getting to a point where you accept that your effect on other people is sometimes their problem and not yours. 
Like um, when I when I started working at Canonical, um, I was in a meeting room with some with somebody. I don't it doesn't matter who. And then um, the CEO brought somebody round to introduce to me. And as they walked in the room, I stood up, walked across the room, shook the man's hand. Hi, nice to meet you. You know, I'm in the middle of something. Love to talk to you later. Bye. Went back and sat down. And then a little while, and he was always a bit funny with me. And, and then mm. at some point later, because he, he 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 said something about he said he said that I was powerful. He used this. I can't remember the exact sentence, but he kind of went, "But you, you're so powerful." But it was like an insult. I was like, "What? What do you mean powerful? I was polite." I stood up, I walked <laughs> over to you, I shook your hands, I went sat down. And I was like, meh, do I care? And I was that and then I, I met somebody quite recently for coffee and we had this what I was having was an animated conversation about politics and dynamics and design and blah 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 and just uh, me getting carried away and talking and waving my hands around a lot. And at the end of the conversation he said, Oh he said, Oh that well that was good. He said that was a very stressful conversation. I was like, mm. was it? <laughs> why was it you know it's just a conversation and then I, I went to this voice woman the other day and she was talking about how voice and sound travels out of your body and how I direct a lot of mine through my mouth instead of through resonance it's, it's an aspirating thing so you're sending sound out in front of you instead of around you and so and I was thinking in the context of this guy and the way he reacted to me he probably did feel like my voice was attacking him so I'm still not sure it's my problem nor that I care but it's interesting to understand how even the way you create sound in your body can affect how people feel being around you yeah 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 like body language your kind of face there is an interesting thing where if i do stand tall and straight then men you know try and use power as an offensive word <laughs> like, well. the first thing i thought of uh, when you said suggested self-awareness was the kind of ability to make predictions about how you will behave in the future when you're making promises to people oh yeah um, oh yes that's important yes yeah, so for example you know the sort of flaky person that <laughs> like you sort of after a few goes you sort of go yeah all right well maybe i'll see and then that if that person's like what what i always i'm always reliable and on time and you're sort of like what, what? no you're always late and you often can't you know if if someone doesn't understand their patterns of behavior to the point that they'll actually kind of get defensive if you you sort of feel uncomfortable addressing the other person about that when you know they're saying something that they clearly believe but yeah. you know that, that you're definitely not going to do that yeah I, and I think there's some of these things are things that I would distinguish in terms of self-awareness things that I become self-aware of and then I want to change and make better but there's also things where I go do you know what I'm not very good at that and on a scale of a million things I want to try and get good at in my life, that's not important to me. So yeah, something you can accept. Something I a, just accept that that's, that's not... That's just the same, right? Yeah. That's like being aware of something is good, whether or not you want to improve it or not. I don't think they need to be viewed in terms of limitations. I accept that I am a person who needs about eight hours sleep. And if I don't get them, I very quickly become a very unpleasant person. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, 
Do you want to stay up late? No, no, I want to go to bed now. Uh, <laughs> rather than, you know, doing that, all that, pow, boom, no, sleep is for losers. Let's stay up and then work really hard and make ourselves ill. I, I can't do that. There's there's also self-labelling. It's, it's sort of, you kind of go, well, I'm just... If, the worst one is where someone's just like, well, no, I'm just a bad person inside and have, has accepted this idea about themselves. And then it just means that they can then, if they do ever do it, make a mistake or do anything bad, it just, it, the, the, there's nothing to change because it's like, well, I'm just a bad person. That's a, that's a yeah. really poisonous label to have for yourself. And there's other labels, but um, when people maybe f- for reasons that they haven't really introspected for years have labelled themselves as having this flaw or something like that, mm. that it's when it sort of like justifies negative behaviours. Like, yeah, it's like I'm not very good with phones. I'm not very good mm. with computers. Something as simple as that. It's like, no, yeah. you're, that's not true. You might never have had a reason to be interested. You might never have been shown. You might be afraid because you don't understand. But nobody's not very good with computers or whatever. And people oh, that's not just, it's not my thing. Oh, yeah. You don't have to become a programmer, but we can sort out some of this other stuff. My my thing is when people talk about the fact that they don't exercise, just walk, just walk somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you mean? Like if physiologically, that's not true. <laughs> just, you know, you can make this interesting. You do need to move. You will feel better for it. And then, but you know, everyone needs their moment of going. I've had enough of this way of being. I think I think yeah. that Hannah Gadsby talk was quite interesting. In from a perspective of watching another person sort of accept who they are and sort you know like and kind of go this is me this is my story, I mean it was certainly powerfully delivered. Do we all need to be sharing our stories with everyone all the time? Like how do we make connections? How do we find the connection? I had lunch with some people on Tuesday and they were telling me that the last time they'd been in that restaurant there were some some Americans sitting next to them. And these Americans were um, getting very confused about the concept of a set menu because they thought if they were ordering off the set menu that they both had to have the same thing. <laughs> and so after a while of listening to the the waiter simply not understand the question because it's like, you know, just that whole gravity in different places, one of them stepped in and explained to this American couple that, no, it's okay Set menu just means you're having lunch and, you know, a main and a starter for the set. Okay, cool. And then they got drawn into a conversation with people who were, you know, guns that are used to kill children in schools, toting, uh, Trump voting. Um, They have guns because they think their own government could break into their house and come and steal all their stuff. Like, they were mentalists. These guys are like, yeah, we tried this and we tried it. And it was like, actually, we can't talk to you because we live on a different planet. And why they were travelling, God only knows. <laughs> They're like going to be surrounded by foreigners the whole time or whatever it is. <laughs> Somebody needs to feed some things into your head for you to go, oh, hang on a minute, I never thought anybody would see me that way. Yeah, you kind of get a hint of it sometimes and it makes you... Look at yourself. Yeah, and so, and sometimes it, bad things happen and you think, what on earth, how, why is that? That's not my fault and it isn't your fault. And if some person reacts to you 
badly, it's not your fault how people react to you. I, I saw this quote this morning, like, offence can't be given, it can only be taken, which I thought mm. was interesting. No, but, that, I mean, that said, like, something I did, one experience I did have was, like, I was feeling really bad because of how someone else was behaving and, and uh, I just always, you know, I'm like, well, that's my problem, that's presumably nothing to do with them but then like in a conversation i realized that they kind of knew that they were, they were doing behaving really purpose. badly and it was their fault yeah. well they're not necessarily on purpose but i mean they, they knew that it was they had done that to me and i was like oh okay so i don't have to take responsibility for everything every time someone makes me feel bad no. sometimes they are just being bad sometimes um, they know they're doing which, it I guess it was nice, useful to me that that other person was self-aware enough to know that they could be affecting me like that. This, so, this is you know. why I get I get upset with people who are really rude and should know better. Like you were brought up properly, you're educated, you you know you're being rude and you're doing it on purpose, and mm. that makes me get I get really arsy with people like that. If we all walked around behaving like you, this world would be really shitty. So, mm. you know, sort yourself out and join the gang, you know, play the game. We all play this. You know, we can't walk around the street punching people in the face because we don't like the look of them. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. So that, but sort of these extreme examples of self-awareness, the, the uncomfortable example to use is this idea, you know, a woman gets raped and people go, well... She was walking down the road wearing a short skirt type thing. It's like you, she should yeah. be aware of how she's making people feel around her. And it's like, mm. that's not what we're talking about here. That is, you know, like in this instance, the person who doesn't feel like they can control their sexual urges is should be locked up somewhere, you know, not allowed into society until they become self-aware and learn how to control themselves you know it's like that those are the sort of extreme examples but knowing that when you walk into a room you know if you're relaxed and happy you will make people around you you're likely to make people around you relaxed or happy mm. a lot of the language of the left that the right don't like is around self-awareness for example trigger warnings People going, okay, well, I know that if someone starts talking about that, I'm going to get, I'm going to have yeah. like a disproportionate reaction to it. So let's develop a culture where like if something is a potential trigger for some people, we just kind of call that out out front and like save people from that kind of yeah, unpleasantness, yeah. Um, which, you know, the, the, the alt-right love attacking that for some reason. Like, what, why shouldn't we have a trigger warning? Like, because some of us are aware enough of ourselves that we know that we're going to get triggered by something. Or just, like, attacking someone for being triggered by... Ah, triggered is a thing that is twats it? say on the internet as well. Ah, you got triggered. That's very... That's like pinching somebody at school to make them cry. Not that I ever yeah, yeah. did that. No children were harmed. <laughs> but, you know, it's like that sort of, like, yeah. Or, like, winding up your brother or sister. Well, it's trolling as well. Like, I mean, that's the kind of core of it. But, if, you but, can you sort of, if you trigger someone, then you've just won the trolling competition. Somehow normal, you know, the agreed norms of behaviour in society where we don't spit in each other's faces and we don't, like, elbow each other's walking past and mm. we don't go, oh, fatty, or whatever. <laughs> it's like somehow... Unless they're children, unless you're children. Yeah, but... Yeah, but children you know, do that. Children do that and then they... And that's what was... <laughs> one of the, but, but children do that and their parents tell them that that's 
bad and it's going to hurt people's feelings and they shouldn't do yeah. it. And over time, we learn yeah. not to do that. Some people yeah. never quite learn it, but the mm. vast majority of society are perfectly able to you know, live their day-to-day, write emails, phone people up, buy stuff, sell stuff, go to work, come home, every, cook dinner, everything, without offending other humans. Yeah. So why is it okay? Why is the internet giving people carte blanche to just go, eh, triggered? <laughs> yeah, no, we, well, we know this. It's, the, it's anonymity, although I'm surprised how much the Facebook non-anonymity is still supporting a lot of this behaviour, but it's particularly prevalent on things like Reddit and twitch and places like that where you can just create a new user account and just not be accountable to it so it's, it's just like you you still have that thing inside you that wants to be a twat to people i suppose like there's still you still have those animal racist otherness instincts so they're still in there underneath somewhere and it's you know it, it just kind of gives an outlet to that that people can get away with so they do yeah, because I was just thinking about teasing mm. people, winding people yeah. up is a is a thing. Yes. That is, why do we need that? Because I do it with my, you know, I do it with my well, friends. It's, nice. it's funny. It's, but you're still using their triggers. Yeah, yeah, but you have to, you have to judge it and it has to be done in a sort of spirit of love. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're going to do it in that situation, it can't be done because you want to hurt the other person. It's done to sort of like, and there is a good school of life. It's been a while since I mentioned that. There is this good school of life video on that, like the importance of teasing in relationships, um, that you kind of see someone kind of falling into a pattern that, uh, yeah, maybe you kind of like prod them about it a little bit in a sort of friendly, loving way. But um, maybe the trolls do feel like, you know, they've got this relationship with this person who has a high profile, so they can just sort of, like, tease them. But actually that person's like, well, I don't know you. I think a lot of my my growing up humour in Mostar, a lot of the sitting around drinking, it was just like one one liner after another, sort of like taking a piss, you know, and it yeah. was just that's what all the banter was all about. That was the the, the foundation of... Most of the teenage culture was that, like, picking off people's triggers or whatever. Well, it's a way of kind of avoiding intimacy, isn't it? It's like, oh, if you're not comfortable with intimacy or openness, then you kind of go for bants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look at this guy. Oh, look at his... He always wears that hat. <laughs> I don't know what people say. I've never gone in. But, you know, I've never gone in for that. And I've never had friends that, I, you know, I've never wanted to have those sorts of friendships, particularly. I, I do value openness um, and clear communication. I don't like people kind of putting on a fake face with me because I don't want to talk to your kind of flimsy facade. I want to talk to you. Blimey. I'm having a... I'm having like a rewind of my life. <laughs> oh God! Wow. <laughs> Just in a slightly more taking into the physical plane a little bit more. Like I, I do not know what food does what to me. Um, like food, you know, peanut allergies, all that kind of thing. I, I do not know what. I'm starting to maybe think. Like, it was hard enough for me noticing what alcohol was doing to me, let alone, like, things like meat and, you know, dairy and all, all these kinds of things. But, you know, some people seem to have this sort of heightened self-awareness and they know every single, like, E number that's going to make them 
get gassy, you know, <laughs> which I just don't even understand how you like that's a that's a sort of scientific process, isn't it? Like, okay, expose yourself to each thing in turn. Yeah. That's why it's important to um on the social level, it's important to meet lots of different kinds of people so that you can calibrate so that you can become self-aware because if you can't spend all your time in one's in one bubble then you're never going to be aware of what the kind of weird idiosyncrasies of that bubble actually are because a lot of the fear of the right is oh god if i do accept that that sort of sexist language isn't acceptable then i've got a like my whole uh, that's a huge part of my identity that i've got to question so instead of like learning from that i've really gone on a journey with this little <laughs> started from peanuts um <laughs> People don't like having certain sorts of self-awareness awakened because it's it's a lot it's of work to do to deal with it. Yeah, it is a lot of work and it's uncomfortable. If there's anywhere that I'm compl- I lack any form of awareness about the effect I'm having on other people it's in the music that I've made over the years because all of my understanding of what I'm doing is in technical terms and then the sort of emotions that are going into that can be pretty arbitrary and sort of uncontrolled so I'll sort of play someone something where I'm like I've just figured out this new technique for doing this and I tried this they'll be like I'm scared of how scary that was. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I suppose it was about something pretty dark. But I think that's that's always been a big problem for me that I just, I can't, my whole life has been figuring out all the various ways in which I don't perceive things in the same way as other people. I don't see threats to myself in the same way, in the same places that other people see them. I don't see stability where other people see stability. I, I, I have strong emotional reactions, I think, to generally to different things than what a lot of people will have. You know, I know everyone's different, but, you know, for whatever reason, it just means that then my... The, the emotions that I'm used to, I suppose, I, I, you know, I've sort of grown up with a lot of feelings of sort of separation and and loneliness and kind of feeling unliked, unloved, all this kind of thing. The fact that I can be quite casual about putting that into music, where it is quite a powerful, it's quite a direct way to transmit emotions. I I worry that because I'm used to feeling certain emotions that most people would say, oh, whoa, that's a bad emotion. I'm just like, that's just a normal emotion, isn't it? It's a barrier to what I'm creating for people or like I don't know the effect I'm having on other people and I'm, I really struggle to figure out to, to, to predict the effect that anything I do will have on other people does that make any sense yeah, uh, yes but it's but you've said a lot <laughs> so I think the thing that you were saying though about the emotions that you're feeling are bad and that that's what I don't think that's I think some of the context of your early life and the way your mother died makes people uncomfortable because it's a very sad thought and nobody ever wants to imagine that happening to themselves or anybody else I think that's what's hard but that's more about the actual content that's not the music you know we listen to lots of music that makes us feel sad or empowered you know like or angry or I was marching to a meeting the other day listening to 
I think Beyonce. <laughs> I was like, well, can I? I was ready for a fight by the time I got there. Women, mm. yes. You know, it's like, uh, so I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as bad or wrong feelings. I just think that it's... Well, it's when you're not prepared for them yeah. and when it's not really... I think I'm not really controlling the emotional journey very well sometimes. I'm just kind of like, here's a song that's nice and then yeah. straight into yeah, yeah, something yeah. really... Oh, hey, I wasn't expecting... I think if everyone could become more self-aware, that would be wonderful. But I think the reason that people don't want to is because it's hard work kind of dealing with discovering things about yourself that you didn't know were negative, perhaps. Yeah. And you, having that choice of either work on it and try and get better and kind of swallow your pride or just kind of turn it all into this sort of game, this alt-right playbook of just attacking all those things that make you vulnerable, you know, labelling them all in sort of um, derogatory ways. The defensive approach is, really seems to have become quite dominant. So I suppose that comes from, like, is it if we could make people feel safer in changing things about themselves, we could maybe win a few people over to just sort of accepting, OK, as I, you know, meet more people, hear more things, maybe I can actually, like, adapt myself and swallow a lot of kind of negative behaviours from my past. Yeah, I think... I think removing a lot of this fault business it's your fault you're like that you know and that goes for a situation in the world in terms of like being on welfare or not it's your fault you did it to yourself so tough you know mm. kind of a undercurrent that's sort of like after a certain point in your life you should be able to be aware enough to do maybe that point in your life never comes because I think you still need somebody from the outside to go. This thing that you think is normal, I don't think that thing is normal. And then to have a conversation about why I think it is and you think it isn't normal. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I know there's no such thing as normal overall as an average, but, like, if you're brought up vegetarian in a house of people that only eat meat, uh, vegetables, not meat, and then you go around someone's house and they're massive meat eaters, like... They were like, oh, this isn't normal, is it? And then, you know, you have to have a conversation in order to be able to go, did you know the reason I don't eat meat is because I love animals, I think it's cruel, or because I think it's bad for the climate. I mean, like, you've got to first have a conversation where you go, that thing that you do makes me really uncomfortable. Can we talk about it, please? <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know. Well, it's always uncomfortable. I did it this week in the gym. Someone, the the the, the trainer who I like, like he put on, he changed the music and like blurred lines came on, and I was like, "Did you just, just put this song on?" He was like, "What?" I was like, "It's not very, uh, uh, it's, it's a bit of a mm, problematic one." <laughs> it was like it was completely unaware. And then this other sort of woman was in the group, and she was like, oh, "I quite like this one." I was like, "Well, it's not very feminist, is it? It's a bit of a rapey one." Is <laughs> that um, what you said? Yeah, and then she was sort of like, mm, "I guess I didn't really, you know." She sort of realised she hadn't really thought about it, but I was like. So I just and then like there was a little bit of a stink in the air for a few minutes after that. But, you know, and he was like, oh, I'm sure there'll be something else that comes on that you like. I'm like, oh, it's not about liking. It's more like it's a bit of a political one. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and it would have been one thing if it had come on in the middle of a playlist. But it was like he would just let that one. He was at the computer when it came on. So I was just like, OK, well, I've got to just kind of 
check this one because it is a song about <laughs> like date rape basically it's like a bro anthem for like coke um coercion kind of thing isn't it i like that you did that <sighs> you know being a social justice warrior <laughs> Yeah, okay. I will be a social justice warrior. <sighs> what are you going to do about it? Change will grow a faint love. Bigger change will shake your brain around. Change will make your life have meaning. Change will make you, you, you. for listening if you've got something to say hello at grandpodcast.com you can come and say that or you can just go to grandpodcast.com and click on the social links that go to things like instagram and youtube and such like uh, where can people find you ivanka best place to find me is at ivanka on twitter and you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com and <laughs> i'm currently revamping goodtohear.co.uk oh imagine that yeah all the social stuff is linked there to help us please review please subscribe please tell your friends <laughs> yes all of those things that michael just said <laughs> yeah so thanks for listening and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye. stop showing off michael <laughs> stop it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>